0: with 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. And I wanted to do this real happy, uh, exciting intro. Where I talked about what happened to John and myself after I, after we recorded this episode in uh, Weehawken, New Jersey, because it was definitely a very cool night last week when we uh, we met up to record this episode. But late last night, today is uh, is Saturday. Late last night, about twelve thirty, I had already kind of dozed off to sleep. My wife was still up, and she. Uh, Kind of nudged me back awake to tell me that she had just read about Vinnie Paul dying and uh, at this point they're saying he died in his sleep it's still unclear I guess what the cause of death was I'm not sure it even really matters it, it's just a, a horribly sad thing by just an iconic drummer and I thought Victor Ruiz wrote up a great great uh blog posting on talkingrock.net just talking about the importance of this guy and, and to the music we love and really how drum sounds in in metal music changed because of his sound you know that bass drum sound especially and i want to say we interviewed him at least twice maybe three times and we john and i got to play bowl got to go bowling with him when we did the Fuse show, and there was a whole thing done around that, uh, which was was great. If you if you research Talking Metal TV show, you can probably find it on YouTube. Uh, we went bowling with Vinnie Paul, and at at that bowling uh, event, which was captured on on camera for the the Talking Metal on Fuse TV show they didn't want to play music in the bowling alley that had rights and clearances issues. So they played, they wanted music from local bands. So we would throw CDs on by local bands, including my band. And Vinny actually asked me about my band and was very interested in, in the the drummer, a guy named Michael Sapp thought his Michael Sapp was a great drummer and was asking me questions about the band and paid me some, some great compliments. It was the, the second ronin cd that was the band I was playing with at the time ronin r o n i uh, n it's called dissolving pinch roller was the name of that record and and i i, I gave vinny a, a copy of the record and again he he had complimented me on on the music when when we were bowling it was playing uh yeah i don't know seemed like such a nice guy man like legitimately nice guy so rest in peace Vinnie Paul of Pantera, Damage Plan, and, of course, Hell Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're about to get into this episode, and John and I recorded it uh, in Weehawken, New Jersey, and as soon as we turned off the the microphones, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top walks in randomly to the restaurant, and uh, we got a picture with him, and, and it was hilarious. He was with the King of Guinea, so... You know, we spotted him right away and said hello. And then he went down and sat with the king. Then he ran back to the bar to hang with us. Like, we didn't invite him back or anything. He, he he came back and quickly ordered a beer. He mentioned the king of Guinea does not drink. So, basically, he went back and forth between the king of Guinea's table and Mark and John at the bar drinking with us, going back to the table to eat. And this went on for for a long time and it was just a great night Billy shared all sorts of great stories with us and at one point I was like oh we should pull the mics back out and start recording this but honestly it was just I didn't want to kill it I didn't I didn't want to kill the vibe it was just him sharing his his love of music and probably his love of alcohol with the, with, with two guys uh, who also love those two things. And uh, it was such a great hang. And he asked us questions about us, our family, our line of work. What what a class act. Billy from ZZ Top. Thank you. I will post the... Uh, you, thank you for hanging with us is what I'm trying to say. I will post that picture in today's show notes. And uh, wow, what a night. I'll always remember this uh, this night that that happened after I turned off the mics uh for for this podcast so yeah on that note kind of a, a sad thing with vinnie paul very sad thing actually and and um you know just a kind of a cool thing for us hanging with with billy gibbons from zz top right after we recorded this episode so that that's enough guys I, i'm gonna get you guys right into this episode our guest is John Kevel from Warbringer, a great, great band that I cannot wait to see at Heavy Montreal. All right, here we go. Talking metal, what is this, 756, I believe, right?
0: Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at HeavyMontreal.com. Produced by Eventco.
1: Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
2: welcome to episode 756 of the Talking Metal Podcast. I am here in Weehawken, New Jersey at Jack Austin's
1: Bar with Mark Striegel. I love this place, man. Yeah. Thanks for uh, suggesting it. Big Talking Thanks. Metal toast. toast? You uh, you switched over to the IPA, which I'm drinking. Correct. Yeah, I was originally drinking a, a Jersey Stout.
2: I yeah. think it's called Jersey Beer Company, New Jersey Beer Company. Uh, and it's uh, very good. This IPA is very good. And uh, I have to say that right behind
1: us, there is a picture of Kiss. Yeah, there is. There's with a,
2: Vinnie Vincent in the photo. The
1: 10 year anniversary tour. If it's too loud, you're too old. Poster on yeah. the wall. Yeah. Great, great poster here. Yep. This uh, restaurant bar is right on the, literally on, the, I'm looking out on the Hudson River right now. In, right. And ferries. All sorts of activity on the on the river. Uh, that area of Midtown, right across from us, it's just exploding. Yeah, uh, yeah, with buildings and stuff. Yeah. What happened is they extended the seven train. To the oh, f- it's going over yeah, there. Yeah, it goes all the way to the uh, west side. Yep, and. Uh, that's caused this real estate boom to happen yeah, the over uh, there. Yeah, the apartments over there are like
2: millions, of, like, you know, they're are really, they? really yeah. expensive. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was looking That's interesting because
1: there's not a, I mean, I know now there's more over there, but it, it was always kind of a desolate De- area. Desolate area, the, yeah. Uh, it's called uh, ja- like Hudson Javits Yards. Center, that's about it. What's that? The Javits Center used to be over there right. and not much mm-hmm. else. Yeah, you know?
2: nothing, but now it's turning into this big deal. There's all this stuff planned for over there, like this whole community- Called Hudson Yards And I swear to God I was looking into it And I think like A one bedroom apartment Is some like You know Four to five thousand A month or something Like that Oh my like God
1: that. And I tell you I drove down here Because I'm working a, a gig You know I'm, I work freelance In the TV business I'm working a gig Up in uh, Anglewood Cliffs At the NBC building Up there Working on a show Called Suits For USA Network But um, I, I drove down here Through Edgewater And all that And the ride down here Along the Hudson On the Jersey side It's unrecognizable to me because I used to live up in this area, you know, back in the day, you're still living in this area, but the amount of condos and apartments and new Mm -hmm. restaurants and developments, uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's absolutely staggering, you know, and it's crazy. I remember you and I drove through here after the four by fate show. I drove you home. Right. Uh, We were coming back from Poughkeepsie and, uh, at that time, I was like, wow, it's getting more developed up here. But that was probably, what, four or five years ago. Yeah. And now it's it's just it's mind-blowing. It, it doesn't even resemble yeah. what it used to be. A-
2: a- even in the area that I live in, in Jersey City,
1: there are buildings
2: going up on lots that I didn't even know were big enough to hold a building. There's a building going up literally within, like, you know, a... 30 second walk From my apartment That's going to be The tallest building In New Jersey Wow Even taller than What is currently Than the Goldman Sachs Building Yeah Yeah, and it's going To be a condo I mean it's It's amazing And I finally Found out that In uh, The area where BJ's Where you remember Yeah 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 BJ's I remember you uh, always Told me that they Were going to like Knock some of that Stuff down They're building like uh, I I had heard that They're going to Knock down Bed Bath And Beyond And ShopRite And build Like, there's going to be four buildings in there, high-rises. There's already one. Wow, that's crazy. And and apparently they're going to keep BJ's, but they're going to get rid of everything else, which I'm sad about because I love some of those stores.
1: Right, right. Um,
2: But uh, it's crazy the amount of apartments, condos, rentals, you name it. um, They're all going up everywhere. In Jersey City, Hoboken, and in
1: Weehawken and beyond, north of Weehawken. Right, right on. Right on. It's, yep. It is absolutely crazy. And what's also crazy is do you know, it was 10 years ago already that we did the Talking Metal on Fuse TV show. Wow. And on that show, one of our guests was John Keevil of the band Warbringer, Warbringer, who was probably 20, 21 years old at yeah. that time. Anyways, he joins us for a new interview on this episode. I am very excited to see Warbringer play at Heavy Montreal. I, I hope to get up to Heavy Montreal. I'm still trying to figure that out. But Warbringer is still alive and, I was going to say alive and well, but actually alive and better than ever. Their new music great. that they put out last year, just potent stuff. We're going to hear some of it in just a minute, and we're also going to hear from John Keevil of Warbringer. We had him on the show for an right. interview in 2008. And then we had him back again. Yeah, to do in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we jammed For Whom the Bell Tolls. and Which and was great. We don't talk about that in the interview, but John and I were talking about it before the interview started. And I'll actually link that in the show notes today at TalkingMetal.com, a video of uh, John Astronomy, myself, Mark Striegel, John Keevil from Warbringer, who else is on it? Dan Lorenzo from... Yeah, and Ron Lipnicki on drums. Yeah, Ron Lipnicki, who at the time was playing with Overkill on drums. Uh, It's a great jam. Uh, John Keeble on on vocals. Uh, Given his own kind of spin and twist. Yeah, I to like the, the way he sang classic. it. He yeah. did it a little different, which was yeah. very cool. But. Yeah, so I'll link that through, through today's show notes. It's a great watch and listen. So please go to talkingmetal.com and check that out. John, uh, what are you listening to lately?
2: I'll tell you, I I have uh, what might be an unhealthy obsession. Uh, I hope it's not unhealthy, and I hope it's healthy. Obsession with the, the new Ghost yeah, album. I love it. Pre- Quel or prequel? He's uh, they pronounce it different sometimes. Not prequel. It means prequel, but prequel. I believe that it's. Uh, Cardinal Copia has stated that uh, right. he likes the pronunciation prequel. Prequel, but you could uh, I think also say prequel, or okay. you can say prequel, but it means prequel in another language. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. But let I me love tell it. you, I love it. That's, I love the album. What's that I song? love Faith.
1: Yeah, Faith yeah, is a, a great, great song. song. Yeah.
2: Uh, I love "See the Light." My favorite song um, at the moment, just to listen to all the time, is the song "Miasma." I think that's how it's pronounced. The instrumental. Um, but I, I, I is mean, is that it,
1: the one where it kind of goes into the beat? It has a saxophone. Yeah, yeah. That's and Then the one it goes the into the beat. It from. The yeah, back, yeah, the yeah, beat it the, yeah, yeah. The beat. It stuff. Yeah. Down, down there. Down, Yeah, that's awesome.
2: I love that. We should See, play that. Oh, oh I, that'd be great. You yeah, we should out definitely out? play it. Yeah, let's, let's check it out right now.
1: It. Here's a little ghost. Here on Talking Metal.
2: Ghost and for those who don't know, miasma, and I believe I'm pronouncing it right. That means, uh, thank you. Means some type of a bad smell. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah,
1: cool. Our food is arriving right now. Thank you. That's not the miasma. The <laughs> yeah, miasma no, is that the sounds song. good. Wow, now that uh, is some you. grilled cheese. John yeah. has. What do you have there, John? Chili. I have some kind of uh, short rib chili and
2: what they disco refer fries. to as disco fries.
1: Nice. And I have the the grilled cheese. And a ton of fries Wow Amazing I think we
2: ordered uh, a lot of food
1: We're going to get into a little Warbringer right now This is a song called Remain Violent by Warbringer from 2017 Followed by my interview with John Keeble Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal podcast, and uh, it's been a while since I've spoken with this guy, but it's always a pleasure to reconnect with him. John Keevil of Warbringer, welcome back to Talking Metal. How are you, man?
3: Doing great. It's good to be back. Uh, It's a lovely afternoon here in L.A., and I'm standing outside in my yard.
1: (laughs) Nice. Well, we just heard coming into the interview a song that I, I just love, Remain Violent off the uh the vanquished record woe to the vanquished which is a little little over a year old at this point such a potent powerful record i really love the record how, how do how how are you viewing the record like over a year out at this point you still you still feeling it just as hard as you were when it came out
3: yeah i think uh i, I said it when the record came out and i'll stand by it i think vanquished is uh woe to the vanquished is hands down our best work uh I, I mean, I almost wish we could have put this one out of the first record and just gone from there, but it was a whole journey to get to be able to write that record. And I feel like when I started this band, I, I said I wanted to make a thrash metal record that I I enjoy as much as anything that brought me into the genre. You know, everything I enjoy about this music that it does it to 11, uh, right. you know, to make the perfect thrash record for myself. And I, I really, you know, it was just as a how much I still enjoy it yes I feel like I managed to pull that off so now the challenge is how to do something that's not weaker after I think we kind of nailed the Warbringer idea better than we ever have before and ended up making something that's pretty pretty instantly recognizable as ourselves
1: yeah absolutely and to the listeners if you haven't heard the record it is just potent metal thrash metal I guess I'd call it and and you guys really, yeah, it really does seem like you kind of built to a climax with this record because there are just some great songs on it. And I'm hoping that when I see you guys up at heavy Montreal, a uh, little over a month from now, I guess it would be, uh, that you're going to play a lot of songs off the vanquished record.
3: Uh, when we came out with it, we did a couple tours, one in uh, Europe and one in the U S where we just played the whole record, including, uh, the 11 minute when the guns fell silent. Wow. Uh, So that was something we'd never really done before, but we really liked it. And we've been kind of keeping that format. We did some shows, uh, a a few shows in California this April, uh, where we did Waking Into Nightmares, our second record, start to finish, uh, both as an anniversary to the record and in tribute to to Nick Ritter, the drummer on that record who passed this last summer.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which is a
3: trip for me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. The real talent, that guy. The the, fast fucking feet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, okay, so who... Let's just run... Recap who actually is in Warbringer right now.
3: It's been actually... uh, I know we're infamous for being a spinal tap, and uh, that's due to the fact that we've kind of put our face to the touring grindstone harder than, as far as I'm aware, anyone. Uh, You know? So that's caused us a lot of casualties throughout our run. However... We've been pretty stable uh, since about a year or two before Vanquished came out, where we've had that exact same lineup. Um, so from the very beginning, you still have myself and Adam Carroll. People right. like to say I'm the only original member. They're not giving any credit to Adam Carroll, who's been a songwriter and a major player since day one. He was actually the drummer on the demos. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Cruz has been our drummer and is now one of the main writers. So the writing team is myself, Adam, and Carlos doing most of the writing on Vanquished, um, and he's been in since World's Torn Asunder, the third record. Yeah. Um, and then uh, aside from that, we have Jesse Sanchez on bass, formerly Bonded by Blood. We've had him since, uh, since Lord, of the, Lord of the Vanquished. And Chase Becker, formerly of L.A. Metal Veterans Desecrate. And just really an underrated, unknown guitar player who really blew some heads off on the last record, I think. Uh, so he, he's a, to- a true shredder. Absolutely. And uh, we've never really had a lead player like him in Warbringer before. So he brings a whole lot to the table. And uh, the Adam Chase trade offs on the last record, I'm a really big fan of their dynamic.
1: Right, yeah, absolutely. Great record. And what, let's talk about live dates coming up. I mentioned Heavy Montreal, which is really there aren't a lot of correct me if I'm wrong, but there aren't a lot of shows, especially in the Northeast, uh, booked for you guys. So I really think the Heavy Montreal show is going to be a special show for for War Warbringer. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. And you know, the theory is we broke the band. As you mentioned, there's a lot of lineup changes in Warbringer history and that's because Warbringer used to do, uh, for example, 2009, we played about 300 shows. I mean, count that verse days in the year. And, uh, in 2010, I think we did like 250 and 2000, oh you know? so yeah. it was back to back to back. And that's why you see the the band never uh, maintaining a stable lineup because that's, you can't have a life other than that. Uh, so we're trying to be wiser and basically allow ourselves time to remain jazzed about what we're doing and stoked on playing metal and not grow to hate it because you, you won't be as good at it if that happens, So is our thinking. Right. So uh, what we're doing, I'm taking time off. Uh, I've been taking time off since we finished the Woe of the Vanquish cycle about end of last year. But uh, we're still doing select dates just because we love playing music and we, we love getting out there. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to just pop in, do uh, – Like a large festival date Like Heavy Montreal or uh, Shortly after we're doing something called Full Terror Assault in in Illinois And we have some European dates But that's about it for this year Because this year we're really focused on writing uh, Such as the single we're about to put We're about to record this weekend And uh, then later in the summer The next record
1: Wow, okay, so there's a brand new You just mentioned a single So there's new music on the way from, from Warbringer
3: Yeah, it's literally just a single we're putting out. Uh, We have all these ideas kicking around for the next record, but we're nowhere close to being able to put out another record. And, uh, you know, it's been a minute since, as you commented, since World of the Vanquished" come out. And we just want to remind people uh, that we're still alive and we're still a force. So uh, we plan on putting something out just as a little uh, teaser. You know, it's going to be very much uh, a hard, stomp and thrash song in the manner you're used to hearing from us. so we're looking forward to putting that out. We can hopefully get it uh, get it out before the festival. I believe is the plan because we're we're literally recording in uh, three days. So wow.
1: cool, cool, yeah, cool. And you finally re-
3: got put on the books, and we got our rehearsals this weekend. We're all we're all gearing up.
1: Nice. Well, I can't wait to hear that. And where will that be available? Just the normal places: iTunes, Spotify, Amazon.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. It's just going to go out on that. Uh, I don't think there'll be a a physical release. Uh, We were trying to pick a a B-side cover to do, but honest, we always had such a hard time deciding on that. I never, I never did covers and we kind of had to for for bonus tracks. So some of them turned out fun, but to be honest, it's never my favorite part. I always loved writing. You know, that's what drew me to music. Right on,
1: (laughs) right on. And now I've been also reading online and stuff that you've been studying history and, are you back in schools taking taking college courses in history what's going on with that
3: yeah yeah i'm uh I, well it's not at all as an alternative to metal. I very much intend to continue with Warbringer, but it kind of goes with it uh, and it's sort of inspired by all the world travel i've gotten to do through the band i've always had this interest you know it goes back to the warfare theme is kind of well that's that's historical isn't it yeah. and uh the kind of history I'm into is often that of battle because basically that's where you get stories of humans under extreme extreme stress and a lot of uh, intense psychological conditions. And then you also have the big picture strategy element to it. So I'm actually uh, trying to jumpstart my career there and kind of put it in tandem to some of my work with Warbringer by writing a podcast on uh, on the First World War, which is going to be this monolithic affair, because that's an enormous and complicated event. And if you didn't know, it's more brutal than anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> you know, it's so I'll funny. You write about you, you... You're mentioning this what? because I'm reading a book right now called The Guns of August, which is all about oh, yeah. World I War I, one, and it's just blowing my mind.
3: Oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a description from The Guns of August. And here, you know, people that thought cannibal corpse, uh, serial killer uh, lyrics were brutal, uh, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer or something, that's one guy. What if you have right. an entire nation state doing that? Yeah. There's a bit in The Guns of August where they talk about uh, like a German regiment, you know, maybe a thousand, two thousand guys marched out into a field got hit by a shrapnel bombardment by the french guns and the french some french patrol finds them and it's in the guns of august and they write uh something along the lines of there were men a formation of men like stacked on top of each other where they the dead bodies are in angles so it, at one end of the row they're on the ground and then piled on there so it's like this uh wave of dead men that can't fall over. They're all perforated with shrapnel holes, but yeah, they can't fall God. over because the mass of them is, uh, sticking them together. And it's just this grotesque, like hell, you know, Dante's Inferno shit that you hear from there. And it's entirely real, which just blows my mind. So that's why I'm writing about that. And there's a lot of aspects of, uh, like grand civilizational tragedy to it. And it's so little understood. So it's kind of it, this specific subject, uh, jumped into the last record on tracks such as Shellfire, which is about sort of just the sheer horror of battle in that era. Right. And uh, then When the Guns Fell Silent is kind of about the spiritual desolation of mankind, which resulted from that era. Wow. And uh, so it's something deeply fascinating to me, and it appears I have uh, potentially two grandfathers that died as a result of it, and that's true of a lot of people, actually. It's that big. So uh, I've I've always felt this kind of personal connection to it, and that's why – in about probably six months to a year, I'll be releasing a really, really long, extensive podcast that will go in-depth on that. And I'll have plenty of The Guns of August, which is a, a classic work on that subject and one of the best there is.
1: Wow. So uh, the the podcast, it, like you're writing the podcast ahead of time, so you'll have talk, like it's going to be scripted, you're going to be reading. Yeah. Okay.
3: It's, it's like I'm writing a gigantic story and narrating it.
1: Wow. And there's going to be
3: music and sound and, you know, it's going to be a mixture of a lot of things. uh, But it's focused on basically taking history with something which is often associated with being dry and uh, really breathing a lot of life into it with as much storytelling and narrative flair as I'm able to bring. So uh, some of the themes you're used to hearing on Warbringer albums will very directly go on there. And a couple of the the things from the records you might actually recognize in there, because a lot of what drew me to write the material on Vanquished is exactly the same things that are drawing me to write this now. I just, wow! I wanted to write something more word-based to get to, to focus more on message, whereas music is always going to be more song-based. So, right on. I, I think well, I try to have that in the lyrics. The song comes first.
1: Right on. And this is self-produced? Are you working with a, a team of, of people on this or are you just doing it on your uh, own?
3: R- right now I'm in the writing phase. Uh, I Basically, I, I kind of didn't think I could do it for a while, but then I realized, uh, uh, yeah, I have all the tools available to just do this myself. Uh, the recording aspect, I'm, uh, I'm a professional metal vocalist for 10 years. I know how to be in a recording booth uh, and the narration you hear at the beginning of When the Guns Fell Silent, that's me. So when right. there's going to be like a quote or a serious part to narrate in the podcast, I'm just going to do my narrative voice. I'm going to do it all.
1: Nice. Very cool. Well, I look forward to hearing that. And, you know, it's been about ten years since the the first record came out, War Without End. I saw you have some uh, cool vinyl reissues available on the on the website. Ten years out, how do you look back on that record?
3: Uh... That one I don't ha- I can't say speak of in as glowing a terms as Wood of the Vanquished because that's very much my learning how to do it record. So I guess uh, for me that record is really representative and cumulative a whole era in my life where I went from being you know kind of just like some regular suburban kid to figuring out how to fulfill my dream of being a metal singer. And uh, I mean you were a
1: teenager, right? The- You're still a teenager when you did that
3: uh yeah most of the songs uh, i started warbringer when i was like end of 18 and put out war without end we recorded it uh right before i turned 21 so and i had never played any music at all before so i you can hear it on war without end we're flying by the feet of our pants and uh i think that's why that record sounds so old school and people at the time would say it was like this calculated trendy attempt but no it's it's because it was made in the exact same way that those 83 84 thrash records were like. Well, here's a band of some, some you know, some fucking 19-year-olds who've just been grinding it out in their garage for like the last two years, and here's a record from them, you know, and right on. Th- that's it, you know. So, uh, it has that looseness to it that actually, since then, has not really been a trade award bringer because we focused really hard on tightening as fast as we could, and now I think we're one of the tighter live bands uh, that plays as fast as we do that you can find, you know.
1: absolutely absolutely and then let's see the second record which i guess was really only a year after that first record was uh waking waking in the nightmares and that one you were working with gary holt from exodus and and now slayer fame how any any memories you can share of working with gary holt on that second record
3: oh yeah that was a really great time uh we wrote and in contrast to the first record which was written throughout like our entire few year demo days period um the second record was written in between tours written and recorded in just over two months uh the recording process was exactly 12 days i remember we were up in oakland uh we camped out at the studio the whole time and i remember gary you know the concern anytime you're working with like a named guy which which gary certainly is has a great reputation for a lot of reasons uh you know, you never ha- know how people are going to be when you work with them before. And I remember Gary showed up early as shit every single day and would like wow. walk in, wake us up, clap and be like, let's go. So I was really happy to see that. You know, he was, he was invested in the project. He was involved uh, in all steps of it. He brought uh he brought Tom hunting in to help tune and set up the drums, which was cool. So Nick and Tom wow. worked on getting uh, the setup and the sound that you hear on the record. Um, Steve came, Zetro came in and just hung out, and uh, we listened to what was at the time soon to be released uh, hatred material as other band. He wasn't in Exodus at that time. He, yeah, I was going uh, to say because
1: Rob Dukes, Rob Rob Dukes was with Exodus, I think at that time, right?
3: He was, yeah. Uh, but but Steve just Steve was in the studio for like a day anyway, so that was neat. Uh, and I remember we just like pretty much we would do 10, 12 hour days in the studio and then basically. Go and like get a burger and a beer and repeat the next day. It was a really great time and uh, we've kept in touch with Gary since uh, we last saw them in Japan actually a few months ago at uh, Thrash Domination with uh, Warbringer, Exodus and Testament was the lineup.
1: Right on, right on. And now you know yeah Gary playing with Slayer. I just saw Slayer and and. Uh... Lamb of God and Anthrax out at the PNC Arts Center here in New Jersey, a massive crowd. And, and you know, in some ways, these older bands like that are, you know, really keeping the the genre alive, at least to the mass market. But in other ways, do you feel that that because these guys never retire and I mean, Slayer claim they're retiring now, but are still out there doing this thing that it hurts a band like Warbringer because, you know, they're still out there doing their thing and they have, you know, 20, 30 years on you guys.
3: Well, right. And, uh, you know, you named both things, which are both true. <laughs> so it's it's certainly neither one or the other. You know, on one hand, uh, stuff like Flair, Exodus, et cetera, I wouldn't be here without it. I love that music. I love heavy metal, you know. Um, and the, a lot of that stuff... You know, great songs. I'm all for people, you know, that right. being popular and widespread. Uh, on the other hand, I think that especially, and I've seen it more and more as my life goes on, there's this tendency to kind of, uh, at least for what flies commercially repackaging and rebranding is safer than new ideas. And you see it in films, you see it in music, you see it in basically every aspect of culture. You got to, you know, reboots and, uh, new albums by bands who have already completely made their creative statement, you know, in like a, a couple decades ago and all of that. Uh, so I think that, uh, there does need to be more of an embracing of the new and granted, you know, you're hearing it from a guy with a vested interest in the success of new things to right. surprise, surprise. So <laughs> disclaimer there, but, uh, I think there's really something, uh, I think, for instance, like the various holograms of dead, of dead musicians and such, uh, which to some is a little sacrilegious, uh, I think that that's an example of how rebranding and repackaging is a really powerful force. And people buy it because it's a yeah. name you recognize. And something you know is uh, scientifically more pleasing than something you don't. Right. You know, uh, when you first... I remember first hearing certain metal classic I remember I went when I was like 14 I first grabbed power slaves right Iron Maiden I went all the way through the record and it wasn't until the the last song that it grabbed me and then I went back and then they were all classics and clicked but it took it takes a minute sometimes and uh, that's a a documented psychological thing and basically what's happened in the last 20 30 years is commercial interests have figured out this psychological thing and they're milking the living shit out of it and uh, creativity suffers
1: right Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and as far as the Warbringer fan base goes, I mean, now you've been out there touring for over a decade at this point. How has the fan base changed or evolved in in your eyes? Uh, is it is it younger, older, newer? What is same same core group? What What do you see with the Warbringer fan base over the course of the past decade?
3: Well, you see i'm i i'm an analytical guy so i'm the kind of person who's like put thought into this before and to be honest i cannot find any really specific correlation or pattern it seems like our fan base is pretty far reaching i don't know i feel like uh if anything i see like more young people now which is weird
1: it's great to <laughs> hear yeah
3: you not what not what you would expect i suppose because our time uh we're just passing that point where people see us as a new band now, you know, we've yeah. had that for like our first four records, which is a long time to be new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I, I think, uh, I, I find it's a pretty diverse group. You get old guys, you, you get young, young girls and stuff. We see kids like, it, it seems like metal's really opened up. I think, I think, uh, perhaps just, Modern media, plus the fact that the genre's been around is pretty well established. Uh, A lot of, like, metal, you know, great metal records and stuff from the 80s are pop icon things. Even, like, you know, completely mainstream people using metal fonts and stuff. It's kind of, people know about it and know that it exists. And they know that, like, you know, you're not going to... Could, you know go to hell if you listen to a record or something i think <laughs> right, those right. kind of viewpoints are i think those kind of viewpoints are less common now yeah so uh i think you get a wider range of people in the metal whereas uh perhaps earlier it was more geared towards like one sector of society which is still true a, a little bit uh But becoming less true, I would say.
1: I hear you. Definitely. And, again, we just want to remind the listeners, you guys are at Heavy Montreal. You're playing the second day, which includes Gojira, Trivium, Sleep, Nile, I Hate God, Power Trip, of course, Warbringer. On the first night, we have Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, Under Oath, Al Storm. Baroness the list goes on and on that's just a small fraction of who's playing guys it's July 28th July 29th in Montreal heavy Montreal Warbringer will be there and John before I let you go you mentioned this this single that you're going to be recording in just a few days any thought to another full-length record at this point or is it still a little early for that
3: Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, Basically, the purpose of this single is to give people something to listen to between Road of the Vanquished and the follow-up, because Warbringer's not a band that compromises quality, and you can bet that we're going to put out the hardest thing we possibly can next year. Wow.
1: Cannot wait. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So you think a 2019 release for another (laughs) (laughs) full-length?
3: That's the plan right now. Uh, When exactly in that year? Not sure. But uh, basically, after this string of shows, I think uh, writing's going to kick into high gear. We're recording now. Uh, I think we're we're actually going. uh, We're using the same producer, Mike Plotnikov, who was on Road to the Vanquish. So we'll be seeing him again in a couple days. And uh, I think the next step from there is to get working on the record.
1: Right on. Cool, cool. Well, I hope we can connect in in Montreal. We'll be there shooting video interviews. We'd love to have you stop by the uh, the press tent if you're available.
3: Absolutely, would love to.
1: Cool. All right. Yeah, and
3: we plan to be, uh, you know, there's a, there's a million acts there, but we plan to be the most annihilating and devastating out of all of them, <laughs> or else we have failed. So, right on. <laughs> other, only others may judge this, but that's the mission.
1: Awesome, John! Can't wait to see your set at Heavy Montreal on July 29th up in Montreal, Canada. Always great to talk with you, John. Let's uh, let's connect at Heavy Montreal.
3: All right, I'll see you there, Mark.
1: that was Silhouettes by Warbringer, a band that will be playing heavy Montreal this year. Cannot wait to get up there. July 28th and 29th in Montreal, Canada. So many great bands, Power Trip, Warbringer, uh, Under Oath, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Avenged Sevenfold, the list goes on and on. Trivium, it's such a great lineup this year. And uh, it is heavy Montreal, so always a great festival. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. John is digging into the chili. How is it, John? Very good. Very cool. good. No beans.
2: that's um, just uh, not that I dislike beans, but this chili happens to have no beans. But.
1: Yeah, cool. You been been to any shows lately? Um, Besides Ace, obviously. Yeah,
2: Yeah. let me see what I've been to. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, I, I do have some news. Um... Uh, like it is going to do a show in July. I believe the date is the twenty-sixth. Uh, direct support for Faster Pussycat oh, at awesome. uh, Revolution in Amityville, Long Island, New York. The same town as the Amityville Horror House. Wow, very cool. Uh, and uh, then uh, Like it is going to do a,
1: a Like gig. it John's band, by yeah. the way, guys.
2: We're going to do a gig in New Jersey, Weehawken, I think, like right, right near here on the waterfront somewhere. Right. Um, okay. A few days either before or after that. And then um, we also uh, are going to be playing uh, the Debonair Music Hall, which used to be known as Mexicali Live. Oh, all right. uh, In October. That's in... Teaneck. Teaneck, New Jersey with uh, Zebra. Oh, nice. So uh, we got a couple of things coming up. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any bands... I, I saw Def Leppard last week. Oh yeah, how was that? It was good. Excellent. Excellent. Now was Phil Cullen back or was Steve Brown yeah, playing? Yeah, Phil Collin was back.
1: Yep. And, yeah. and I, I actually was talking to Steve Brown at the show, but yeah, um, he was not playing. Phil Collin. I was love back. Steve Brown, yeah. and I, I love that you did a, a podcast with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to see him live out at a club called Two O One, in like Rochelle Park or somewhere oh, in yeah. Bergen yeah. County. It was it was a fun night, and yeah, Steve's a great guy. And uh, can't wait to hear what he's up to next. Some scandal in the Trickster world. I guess they, those guys aren't getting along, so oh, he's not, not doing Trickster that. right now. Uh, uh, didn't you know really what go it, into Speaking of Def
2: Leppard, that. I I think it's really cool that Steve has played uh, filling in for Vivian Campbell and now for Phil Collins. Yeah,
1: yeah. Different guitar parts too. You know, yeah, they totally different, different parts. parts. yes. Not only guitar parts, but different vocal parts vocal too, parts, which yeah, he had yeah, to it's repli- replicate. It's amazing that he. So. I mean.
2: Just to learn all that is yeah. gotta be oh, unbelievable, yeah. and, and in a moment's notice. To, yeah, yeah. You know. One of the things that Ace was mentioning is that, and I don't know if this is, uh, you know, currently true, but maybe we have to We can ask Steve about this. Is that he thought that all of the stage volume was coming from in-ear monitors with oh. Dev Leopard, huh. as opposed know. to coming out of
1: actual amps? I don't know if that's true or not, but could be. It's very interesting. On the Ace front, um, Chris Wise, Ace's, I guess, base, is he former Base player? I don't no, even no, know still to current d- Base player. Okay. Yeah. He's out on the road with Alice Cooper and uh, John, uh, Johnny Depp and, and Joe, Joe Perry, Perry yeah. and Hollywood Vampires. And I, uh, I've i been just seeing uh, pictures of him playing with those guys. That's a pretty it's big a score pretty for big him. Gig, yeah. yeah. It's a great
2: gig for Chris. Everybody's so happy for him. Yeah. And including Ace. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a cool thing for him to do that, and um, I heard that uh, they really like it when he pulls out the upright bass. And, oh, cool. Uh, what, a, what a cool vibe. And uh, while Chris is doing that, uh, filling in on bass uh, is Rocco Moneroso, Ace's guitar tech, who was uh, playing with Bumblefoot for a while. Ah, okay.
1: Very cool. Very and cool.
2: Rocco's Rocco's actually an amazing guitar player. He's more of a guitar player than a bass player, but um, since Ace needed a... Uh, person to fill in on bass uh, Rocco you know uh, uh took that part and um is was doing a great job he did two gigs and uh, there might be you know there might be some more coming up with Rocco
1: oh wow cool very cool and I'm trying to think what concerts you said you bought a, a, a ticket for Ghost in Brooklyn so yes. I'll see you at that show mm. for sure Jerry from Long Island uh devoted talking metal listener will be there we got a Hook up with a toast uh, at that show with him. Oh, that'd be great. And I got a, I got a bunch of stuff. I'm going to Foreigner and Whitesnake. Um, that's cool. I was yeah, thinking of going Bonham. to that. I might yeah, go to that. Yeah, we're going to tailgate with Jim Florentine before the show. He, is he that this, in Long Island or in I'm Jersey? I'm going to the one in Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're doing a tailgate thing with with Florentine, the Florentines, Jim Florentine and his brother. Wow, well, gonna, when is this? That is June 30th, I believe. Mm. So we're checking Coming that up. out. Um, Emily's going to the monkeys tomorrow. I'm not going. but uh, I just heard
2: that canceled. they might be canceled because uh, Mike Nesmith hurt himself or something.
1: Oh, wow. Off the letter now. Um, let me look it up right now. Breaking news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking news. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, to, um, if they cancel, then I'm going to have to quickly try to buy her a, a ticket to Jurassic World because I'm taking the boys uh, to, you're going Jurassic to Jurassic World, World. I will tell you uh,
2: right now when I check my phone for yeah. TMZ.com.
1: Oh wow! It was on TMZ. That's pretty yeah, big. Yeah,
2: Michael Nesmith, monkey's guitarist, hospitalized. Tour dates canceled. Wow. Okay. All
1: right. I'm gonna text her right away. Right I'm away. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry that he's hospitalized. Uh. And I'm sorry that this. Oh wait. Uh. Collapsed to the ground during the band's sound check Thursday at the Keswick Theater in Glenside, PA. He wasn't unconscious, but he was rushed to the hospital. Um, hmm. It says, however, reps for the band tell us the rest of the tour—three more dates in NY and NJ—has been canceled. So. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Very interesting. Well, on that note, I guess we'll end the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta no, eat my no I don't cheese. mean to laugh at that. I'm laughing at <laughs> it. All right, well, John, where can people connect with you online? So people can connect connect with me. Give the Like It website and all that. The
2: like, yeah, there's a Like It Facebook page and a Like It website. Um, you can you can look on Facebook and type in Like It Band. And then the website is like-it-online.com. You can look for me on Facebook as John Astronomy or John Astronomy 2 with like Roman numeral 2. Dude, like, what's, I, up, I,
1: what's up with the two Facebook pages?
2: Yeah, I got too many friends. Uh, uh, okay, you
1: know, so you added it to get additional people.
2: Yeah, because oh, I, nice. I don't have my Facebook set up like I'm some kind of entity. Mine's just set up like a person. So I have to have two pages because the first one got filled up with 5,000 friends, and that's the limit. On uh, normal pages. So I have a John Astronomy too. Now, get this. To get these two pages, I had to prove to Facebook that Astronomy was used in like an official name recognized by the public. Wow. Well, yeah. it is. Because they, they try to get people to use their real names, not like a nickname. And I swear to God, it happened to me once with John Astronomy, the regular page, and now with John Astronomy 2, it happened. Wow, okay. But they have apologized, believe it or not, and said, we're sorry we bothered you, um, and your page is back up. But they oh, took sorry. it down for like a day.
1: Wow. Wow, that's
2: crazy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going to say, you know, documental just too too big. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm kidding. I'm just.
1: All right, man. Well, let's end with some more Warbringer. Yeah. This is Living in a Whirlwind. This was produced by the one and only Gary Holt, oh, who well, I also okay. just saw recently at, at PNC with with Slayer, known for his work with uh, Exodus. And an interesting story uh, that that uh, in the interview there that John said while Rob Dukes was in the band and Gary Holt was producing Warbringer, he showed up at the studio once with... Uh, with uh, Zetro, which I thought was kind of oh, weird. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, almost scandalous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but kind of interesting. But um, um, yeah. on that note, we're going to end with, again, some great music by Warbringer. Going way back, I think, I want to say this is 2009. I'm not sure. I don't have it uh, written down. But the song is Living in a Whirlwind. We'll see Warbringer at Heavy Montreal. And uh, connect with us online uh, at Talking Metal. On on Twitter and you know all the we're all over social media so check us out and John always great connecting with you yeah let's eat our dinner and drink some more beers cool
2: and by the way uh, I'm getting a a new uh,
1: I'm gonna
2: spruce up this silver spacecraft studio in hopes of uh, doing a lot more talking metal
1: oh I love that yeah we got to get back to your your apartment there that would be great right cool this is Warbringer with Living in a Whirlwind support these guys go buy this on iTunes all right guys. Take care. Rock on.